We started last week a study, a summer study of the 23rd Psalm, and uh, we're going to jump right back in where we left off last week. Reverend Gary Henderson is with us. Gary and his wife Gwen are faithful members of Providence Church, and have just been a blessing to so many of us. He's been teaching us here for a while, so many of you know him. Gary is the Chief Relationship Officer for the United Methodist Church. There's over 13 million United Methodists, so that's a lot of relationships to oversee. Uh, He travels all over the world. He'll be in Burundi in a couple of weeks. Um, But when he's here, I oftentimes ask him to come and share with us. Gary is a mentor uh, and encourager to me. Just this week, actually, we had coffee, and uh, Gary prayed and talked me through a bit of discouragement that I was facing. And so I say all that to say he's a man of God. He's prayed up and ready for this moment. And so I invite you to open your heart to hear God's word through uh, his servant, Gary. First, though, hear the 23rd Psalm through your own voices. We've got another video for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup will know. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good morning, family. It is good again to be in the house of prayer and praise. It is always a joy to worship with the people of God. Uh, One of my favorite places to stop is a place in the New Testament where it says, where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. There are more than two or three in the room today. So indeed, the Lord of the church is our guest of honor, and we are privileged to have him in this place. I have been uh, living with Psalm 23. It's one of those amazing kind of verses, and maybe you can go down memory lane with me for a moment. Uh, I grew up in the state of Mississippi, and when I was growing up, it was customary, I think, for small children to memorize the 23rd Psalms. I remember being in vacation Bible school, and we, it was sort of like a scripture drill to see who could learn how many verses all in a summer, and there was a prize at the end. And And I I remember my twin sister usually would beat me out in terms of the memorization, but the important part is that I did learn the 23rd Psalm. The prize back then, and this was in the 60s, probably the early 60s, at the end of that exercise, you would get a big monetary prize, and it was 50 cents. (laughs) Now today, I think that in today's currency, that might be $500. I'm not sure, but it seemed like a lot of money. You could buy a lot of candy with 50 cents back in those days. But I remember also coming to Sunday school, and we'd have that same sort of exercise where we would memorize the scripture. And then I, I would come home, and my mom was a school teacher, and mom was a Sunday school teacher, and mom was a, a Sunday school superintendent. And when I got home, I was made, and notice the M-A-D-E, made to recite the 23rd Psalm all over again. It was important that that word be somehow planted in my heart. That's Bible talk. Planted in my heart that I might not sin against God. But I remember also being a fifth grader in the public schools of Mississippi, and uh, this is, I did the math since I've been here. This book, at least in my possession, is 51 years old. That's a long time. 
How many people in the room under 51? A lot of you. But this, this, uh-huh. uh, yeah, 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 don't brag, don't brag. But it was a gift to me in the, in the fifth grade, and I remember the Gideon who offered this gift, and he had us read the 23rd Psalms. And I remember he had us write a little prayer in the back, and I can read the prayer. The handwriting is really bad. It was a foretaste of what was to come. But it says, God bless me and make me what I ought to be for Jesus' sake. And the date in this book is April 30th, 1968. And I still have it because this book, this word is important to me. I have resonated for a long time with the image of God as a shepherd. Isn't that a great image? But God is also a shepherdess. The images of shepherdesses in the Bible, like Rachel, and then also the wife of Moses who tended sheep. But God as our shepherd is a very strong image because I need to know that there is a God that watches over me and provides for me and and comforts me. I love that image. And people who know me know that I have a sort of what I call a spiritual mantra. It's a place of default particularly when I can't always understand what's going on around me. And that place of default is this. God can be trusted. I stand in that place because I know there is a good shepherd always watching over me. The Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to know, if you don't believe it already today, that God is your shepherd, that God is our shepherd, that God is our sustainer and provider. God attends to our needs even before we have need. It's a sort of Wesleyan notion. John Wesley had a nice word. He talked about prevenient grace, that grace that runs ahead of you, preparing a way before you knew you needed a way prepared for you. Haven't you sometimes arrived at a place of provision and said, how did God know that in this moment I would need this to happen right now just to be able to stand and to keep going on? You see, I love the image of the shepherd. Hadn't paid much attention to the sheep until just recently, quite honestly. And sheep are mentioned more than 500 times in the Bible. That's more than any other animal, more than camel, more than goats, sheep. One thing is abundantly clear to me in Psalm 23, it compares us to sheep. It compares me to sheep. And I'm not sure even in this moment that I like that comparison. Because this morning when I got dressed and I looked in the mirror, I wasn't white. And I wasn't (laughs) woolly-headed. I looked nothing like sheep. But then I remember the prophet Isaiah compared ancient Israel. The people who were implicated in Psalm 23, he compared them to sheep who've gone astray. And then in the Gospels, Jesus, as he looks out on the needy crowd, compares them to be like sheep. Without a shepherd. I'm not sure I like the comparison to sheep, but who ever heard of a shepherd without sheep? If God is my shepherd, 
then what does that make me? If God is your shepherd, what does that make you? If you don't know, I'll tell you now. Sheep. I felt better knowing that I'm not alone. Sheep are gregarious by nature. They, they love a crowd, and I love a crowd, and I identify with the gregarious nature of sheep. Sheep are herbivores. They eat vegetables, and they don't harm other, other mammals. I'm a pretty harmless guy, and some days all I want is some good, fresh vegetables, particularly this time of the year. But sheep need a leader. They need a shepherd. They must be told where to go and what to do, or else they wander off and they get lost. Sheep must be told what to do and where to go. I like to think I'm smarter than sheep. If you like me, I don't like to be told what to do and where to go. Sometimes, especially at home, I don't like to be told what to do and where to go. Even when somebody telling me what to do and where to go may be right. I don't like to be told what to do and where to go. I could figure most things out by myself. At least I think I can on those ego-driven days. I could say I just do it my way. But I've been studying sheep based on this series And I've learned a few things that I'll share with you. Characteristics, we'll call them. Sheep are often timid, fearful, and easily panicked. Have you sometimes been afraid and not even sure why you are afraid? Have you sometimes panicked and wondered, why am I panicked in this moment? I just feel so unsettled. That's a sheep-like I remember the first time going through a car wash with my goddaughter many years ago. She was a little girl, and we had, we had custodial care for her overnight, and we drove into a car wash, and the water started, and she started screaming because she'd never experienced a car wash before. She stampede easily. They are vulnerable to what I'll call a mob psychology. Did you know that when sheep start moving really fast and they they run, if they come to the edge of a cliff and the sheep loses its footing and it falls over the cliff, other sheep will just follow the leader. They will follow the leader. Let me talk to the parents in the room for a minute, if I may. Perhaps already you see your son or daughter or your children in that story. They come home and you say to them, why did you do that? The very thing that you know better to do. And they look at you all guiltless looking. And you have love in your heart because this is bone in my bone and flesh in my flesh. My child and your child says to you, but my friends were doing it. And you want to say your friends were doing it, but you know better. Do you get the image of this? Mob psychology. We're more like sheep than we know. Jealous and competitive for dominance. I need to be first all the time. But I have to stop around this image of sheep having little discernment around choosing food. I went out. Because I I live with the food sheriff in my house. 
True story. I, I am not making this up, friends. When it's dinner time, she plates my meal. I do not get to choose the piece of meat or the portion of the vegetable. She plates my meal. And then I, I look at it and I say, is that all? And like a good shepherdess, she says to me, that's enough. I don't like being told what to do, but I take it gratefully because I know it's well prepared and it will be delicious to eat. And when I finish eating, it usually is enough. She will usually tell me later that she plates my meal because she does not think she would ever be a good caregiver. So she keeps me healthy. (laughs) Sheep are perverse and stubborn. They will insist on their own way. No, she's not a smart woman. I heard that. (laughs) But sometimes in my perverseness, when the pound cake is made, oh, I love pound cake. And I'm not satisfied until it's all gone. (laughs) Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you love me, you can bring me pound cake. (laughs) And she's learned to make two small pound cakes and she'll freeze one and hide it because the first part, it, it will last maybe two days. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between because I have no control or discernment around the food thing. Sheep are easily cast by that, that shepherd language. They can fall on their backs, and because of the shape of their bodies and their girth, when they fall on their back, they literally cannot get back up under their own power. Have you ever felt like you were cast? I hear the Psalms in a better way. Why, why am I so cast down, my soul? I've fallen and I can't get up. I'm on my back and I can't get up. I'm down and I can't get up. I need help in getting up. I think you're getting the picture. I'm going to say we rather than I at this point. We are more like sheep than we care to admit. The shepherd's job description It's clear and succinct. The shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock. The safety and welfare of the flock. This book is 51 years old, and I go back 50 years to this story. I remember being a safety patrol boy. Maybe some of you remember the little yellow slash went around your waist. I see some heads nodding. And my corner, along with Kent, my boyhood friend, was Ridgeway Street. It was a very busy intersection. And we were sixth grade, so we were the big people in school. We'd get up early because we knew we had a responsibility, the, the safety and the welfare of others. And we would stand at the intersection when the traffic was coming, and we'd do this. 
as those little children behind us would come. And this literally did stop children in those days. I don't know if it would do that anymore, but this was like magic. And they would stand and we'd look both directions. And it was time to cross the street. The hands would come down and we'd walk halfway into the intersection and the children would cross. What an image of safety and welfare that we could apply to the shepherd even in our lives. He watches over us. How does he do that? He makes me lie down. It's not a consultation. He does not seek my advice nor ask my opinion. It is required in mandatory rest. The text says he makes me lie down. I hear in another place in the psalm, be still and know that I am God. The truth be told. Sometimes we are unwilling to rest because busy is the modifier of who we are. How often when asked a simple question like, well, how is it going? And you start talking about how busy you are. The places you took to children, the things you did at work, the other responsibility that you have. And as you get the litany out, you're out of breath telling the litany of activity. And the person hearing is going, oh, my God, he or she is important, maybe busy. We wear it like a badge of honor. I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, it is not. It is a sign of misplaced priorities and diminishing focus. Busy and hurry derives us, deprives us of communion and community. When we're too busy, we miss our time with God, our communion. When we're too busy, we miss our community of faith that we share with the community around the dinner table at home. We miss communion and we miss community because of the busy and hurry in our lives. But this psalm says he makes me lie down because he needs to make me. I don't have enough sense to stop on my own. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, said it this way. He said, the devil, he said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. The shepherd requires that sheep not only rest, he requires that they stop. Just stop. Just stop. Life will go on. The earth will turn on its axis. Just stop. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The green pasture is all about the optimal environment for nourishment and rest. This too is not a consultation. He does not seek my advice or my opinion. I may think I know best. I always have an opinion. I may think I know the greener pastures, but the shepherd leads another direction. And because sheep are susceptible to fear and frustration and pest and hunger, the shepherd must address these impediments to rest. One writer says around this verse that the shepherd eliminates fear, friction, 
flies, and famine. What does that look like? Maybe I can paint the picture with a Bible story. There were 12 of them. They're down to 11 now. One betrayed him, later committed suicide. We thought he was the one who would deliver us. Fear has overtaken them. There's friction around what ought to happen next. The flies and distractions of people and community are all around, and they're hungry for a word of truth. Perhaps they are cast even and can't get up. But in that story, we discover that the good shepherd has run on ahead of them and prepared a place, and the Spirit comes. We call it Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. But when the Spirit comes, we find what we need even in extraordinary circumstances. The shepherd ensures that sheep lie down in healthy places. The shepherd chooses and sheep submit. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep prefer to drink water Drink still water as opposed to water from a moving stream. Only a shepherd knows about the fear that sheep have around running water. You know, short, squatty, a little overweight, white, and woolly. Add water to that, particularly with the woolly. Add water to the woolly, and it's soon waterlogged. And when you're short and a bit overweight anyway, what happens near running water? Sheep die. Sheep have a natural fear of running water. Life can be like a fast-moving river. It can flow so fast that it makes us afraid. There's some days when I feel like if I tell the truth right now that I'm just trying to catch up with myself. Just trying to catch up with myself. Life and schedules and the demands of time and energy, it can, they can overwhelm us. Even though a river will never slow its rapid flow, the compassionate Shepherd will gather up stones and divert some of the water in a pool into a small pool for sheep to drink. What do those stones look like in my own life? For me, the stones of diversion tend to come in a song or word. I'll begin to hear a song in my head like Blessed Assurance. I begin to hear a word in my head like, be still. Sometimes in an amplified voice that only I can hear in my head, I hear, stop, the imperative, stop. 
More recently, for at least two years, I've been playing uh, a little piece of music over and over. It's an ancient, ancient song. The words are Latin, but they speak to me in a way that brings peace to my soul. The words of Vini Sanctus Spiritus. That's the whole song. Over and over again. It simply translates, come, Holy Spirit. In the days when I'm on my knees singing Vini Sanctus Spiritus. Vini Sanctus Spiritus. Vini Sanctus Spiritus. And I have discovered that Pentecost even happens today. That the Spirit comes in a surprising and unexpected way, and we find that which we need to go on. Still waters flow slowly, and they bring peace. But why do we avoid them so? Could it be that in the silence of stillness we face God on God's terms? Without distractions, All of our mental hiding places are stripped away. And we have to be honest about our need for him. Don't just do something. Stand there. Don't just do something. Stand still. Don't just do something. Listen, listen for the voice of God. How often have I prayed, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The word of life is a saving place. The psalm writer says, in another place, so taste and see that the Lord is good. The prophet writes, therefore with joy shall we draw water from the wells of salvation. The shepherd creates diversions that provide the water of life. And then he, the shepherd, restores my soul. I don't know how it happens, but I know when it happens. It happens when all of a sudden I feel lighter than I was a moment ago or a day before. Weariness has abated and I feel like I have fresh energy to keep moving on. And I discover when it seemed like a joyless day that delight returns. And I draw water from the wells of salvation because I know that joy is abounding because God is my shepherd. He restores my soul. The shepherd cares for all my material and physical and spiritual needs. I believe the words of the 23rd Psalm that I memorized as a child and then wrote on the tablet of my heart continues to sustain me. Life has taught me that the words are true. You may ask me, how do I know? And my simple response is, I know because God has a track record in my life. 
I've never been a place that the shepherd has not been there with me. It may have been gloomy and dark. I may have been afraid. I may have been on my back. But I discovered that in that place, the shepherd is there as well. I have a personal experience of God as my shepherd. That's all I can say today. But I confess to you in this moment, and I hope this is a safe place for confession, that I identify with sheep and often need to be directed by God where to go and what to do. Hmm. My challenge is obeying and following the good shepherd. Some days I get it right, some days I get it wrong, some days I wander way off course, but the shepherd finds me. There's a recklessness about his love. My challenge is paying attention to his voice. I'm so busy that I drowned out his voice. I'm in such a hurry that I drowned out his voice. The challenge is to pay attention. And then the word of assurance is this. The sheep, according to John's gospel, hear his voice. According to John's gospel, the shepherd knows the sheep. He knows if one is missing and will leave the crowd and go look for the one. He knows the sheep. He knows that the count is off. And the sheep follow him. Now back to the sort of strange title, and I admit sort of strange. God can be trusted. How do I know? The good shepherd cares for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's me. The good shepherd provides for me. He leads me beside quiet waters. I'm not smart enough to get there on my own, so he leads me there. It's me. The good shepherd puts my pieces back together again. I'm a wreck. It's a mess. I can't figure it out. And he restores my soul. Oh, my. It's me. It's me. Oh, my. When I think on the shepherd, When I realize that I'm the sheep, it's me, it's me, oh my. We, notice I said we, really are sheep. And God is our shepherd. But hear this, God can be trusted. The good Shepherd can be trusted. This I know beyond any doubt. 
my spiritual place of default. God can be trusted. Don't just say these words with me now, but pray them. The 23rd Psalms. Let's recite them together. The Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Rod and staff will comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup with a soul. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 